Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. We've been talking about the, the priesthood, but I want to change tact on, on this uh, series we've been talking about. I want to ask a different question. Why is the present church powerless? Why is the present day church powerless? It has the ability to raise people. It has, a, uh, say, it has the ability to gather people. Some churches can gather thousands. Others can gather, uh, gather hundreds. Others gather tens. It doesn't matter what size the church is. Many churches outside of, uh, uh, are powerless. For all the preaching, they still don't see the miraculous. For all the preaching, they have no ability. The greatest power you and I can ever have. You ready for this? It's not so much seeing someone healed. That's good when it happens. And that's Bible, we want that. It's not so much seeing someone get saved, though that is fantastic. But the greatest power we have is to transform our lives. And to see our lives changed. Because that takes, you know, more and more effort. It takes discipline. It takes tenacity. Have you been watching the Olympic Games and you've seen what it takes to get you to get a gold medal? You've seen the effort and the, you know, especially with the rowers are concerned. And they keep saying every day they keep, they're on there. They've had to decide some point in their life, shall I go for another one? Shall I go for another one? And you keep going and going and going for four years for this one event. And there was two rowers yesterday. I don't know if you saw them. Two blokes They were so tired they couldn't even speak. And they just looked like they'd been flogged. I'd never seen tired until I saw tired. Oh, they were exhausted is a better word. And they, couldn't, they didn't even have enough joy to celebrate. They were so exhausted. And it takes, it takes true, true power to transform your life from nothing to something. From a nobody to somebody. From going nowhere to going somewhere. See, many people come into church, they hear, they hear the preaching, but they go out unchanged. Or they have no capacity or no power to hold what they've just been taught or what they've received. Someone has a fantastic moment, uh, they'll come out, they'll get, they'll get um, hit by the Holy Ghost, or they, they, they've got a beautiful smile on their face, and they go outside and they go right back to the habits they used to have. They light a cigarette up as they're going out. Or they go back to their life of what they were doing before they got in. And there's no capacity to transform a life. And the one thing that Christ is looking for is a church where there is people with transformed lives. You're not a believer because you go to church. You're not. You're not. You are a believer because you do the things that Jesus Christ says. Amen. And to do those things requires great, great change, great submission, great sacrifice. You can't go for this medal or, take, you know, stand on the podium for the national anthem. For me, it's not about just winning the medal. It's, it's standing there and nearing the national anthem. You know, for me, that, that would be the proudest moment to stand up there and see my flag going up the mast. Right. And, this, and all the eyes of the world are on me and my nation, who I'm representing. What a glorious, glorious opportunity. See, that's why even for these tennis players, and they'll say, which is your greatest medal? And some of them have won, you know, majors and things like that. But you know, the greatest medal any, any person can ever win is the one where you represent your country. When you play tennis and you win, you represent yourself and your own bank account. But when you stood on that podium and your national anthem is being played and the flag's going up there, you're representing millions of people. And when you show that you have power to transform your life, you are representing the King of Kings. And the, and the, the anthem of heaven is being sung over your name. As, you can, as God can see that, hey, these people are worth investing into. But so many people uh, neglect and waste what they've been given. Do you know that? They really do. So... We have to ask ourselves, why are so many Christians powerless? Why don't I have the power to change anything? I've got the, I've got the power of a gnat. But my Bible says I've got all power. You've got all power. But how come we see very little of it in the church? Well, there are many, many reasons. Last week, I talked to you about our transition. 
And I said, we're going from Sinai to Zion. Do we not? And we looked at Ephesians 2, 17. And we said how God had made us legal residents. Do you remember that? Full members, full citizens. And he's given us full access into, into Christ and his name and the heavens through Jesus Christ and through one spirit. All that's been given to us. Not many people have got that privilege, but we've been given that. You can't get to God unless you go through Jesus Christ. He is the door. He's the gateway. And how do you go through to get into Jesus Christ? By the Holy Spirit leading you to him. So that's how we came. So we were legal. We're legal now. We are fully legal. We are fully legal citizens. Amen. We're not, uh, we're not refugees. We're not asylum seekers. We're not lost. We are found. We are legal. Hey, that's a good place to be. To be fully legal. Then we saw how Jesus delivered us from a system which was known as Babylon. Which is important. Babylon is a picture of the world. It's where it captures you. I don't know about you, but I was captured before I came into Christ. Doing all kinds of things. I don't even want to mention them to you. I was ashamed of them. And the Bible tells us that we are now to live as strangers and aliens. One minute we're citizens of a new kingdom. So we live in this world as if we were aliens and strangers. Why? Because the world no longer has anything for us. In, that set, in, in, in terms of destiny and eternity. There's a lot of things on this world for me. I've got my family. I've got you. I've got a lot of things to live for. But these, have, these things around here uh, I'm, I'm do, using for my life. They're for eternal purposes. They're not for self-gratification. So much of life is based on self-indulgence and self-gratification. That's one reason why you have no power. And I have no power. Because everything is for me and for me only. There is a trinity that lives inside you. Do you know what it's called? Me, myself and I. It's called a soulless trinity. Me, myself and I. Everything seems to be self-indulgent for many, many Christians. And that's one of the reasons why there is no power in the church. Because it's not about you. It's about Christ. Now, if you're in your Bibles, let's continue this transition. Let's go in the Bible. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Where's my water? I pray also, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. To which he has called you. Yes. Listen to what Paul's saying. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart. So your eyes of heart. Uh, your heart has eyes. Yes. And God. Paul is praying for the church here. He's praying that. He says there's some things on the other side that you don't know exist. Hello. There's things that you don't know exist. And unless the eyes of your heart are opened. You'll never know what power is made available to you on the other side. Do you know that? So Paul is praying for the church that, that they'll be enlightened. How many of you need to be enlightened? I need to be enlightened. Why? What's the purpose of this enlightenment? Is that in order I may know the hope. That which he has called you. So there's a purpose why God called you. There's a purpose why God came and shared his light with you. And others haven't yet received it. There's a, you know, you are very privileged people to be, sh- to be shown something that others have not yet received. That is an amazing thing. And then he says this. The riches of his glorious inheritance. So there's now riches involved. Oh, now we've got everyone's attention. Because now me, myself and I, so there's riches there. I'm going for it. There's an inheritance. It's mine. Back to me again. But it says, who is it for? The saints. Corporate. The body. So when God shares his riches, he shares them to us as a family. And out of that family, you get your portion. And I get my portion. So if if I'm a father and I leave my inheritance to my children, Scott doesn't get any more than Laura. Laura doesn't get any more or any less than Benjamin. All my kids get it equal. Yeah, to the best of their ability. Now, if they've got to sell the, uh, the car, they split it three ways. If they've got to sell whatever it is, they sell. But what we can give them in terms of money, in terms of the house, it's theirs. I'll let them, they can fight over the rest. I won't be here. But the point is, is all my children get the same. Why? Because they're in my family. Now, you get your portion because you're in his family. 
Yes, God doesn't love you any more than he loves you. How many of you know that? But God, why, why don't you love me, Lord? If, if, if you love me, you won't let this happen to me. But it's also happening to maybe four other million people around the world. You just didn't have the, you just, you just didn't Facebook them. But they're there. And then he says this. And he's incomparably great power for us who believe. So there's a power that's revealed when we believe. That's why any other place in this world asking children to lay hands on older people looks stupid. Does it not? There's no physical reason, rhyme or reason, no science, no physics involved where children touch older people and older people get well. There's no reason, but in Christ there's every reason. Why? Because something has been revealed to us. There is a power that's been revealed, being and it's also has been revealed in measure. But being revealed means it's continuous. That when you tap into this thing, you see miracles. One just walked out the door a minute ago. Baby Poppy. There's no reason why you should pray. Why do we stand here and just pray? We all look up to the ceiling and we all pray. And that child gets well. Unless Christ is involved. Now we were enlightened to that knowledge so we could do it. I'm not in the habit of looking stupid. I don't stand up and look up at the ceiling and go, I don't just pray anything. I'm praying what God's told me to pray. There's a power that's being revealed and has been revealed. Amen. So he goes on to say, this power, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ. You know, which he put in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. You don't get to sit in heaven unless you're someone special. Yes? Far above all rule. This is this power that you've got. Watch. Look what it takes you. Far above all rule and authority, any power on the earth, any dominion and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but in the one to come, you've got a greater power than all that. But the church looks powerless. Looking at some people's faces, you think, my God, lemon-faced Christianity. They've got no power to raise the wings of a gnat. Yeah? But listen, he says, not only in the present age, not only today, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet. Amen. And appointed him to be the head of everything and over everything for the church. So we, that's how we get our inheritance for the church. Who is his body? The fullness of him who fills everything. Everything in every way. He fills you in every way he can. So this power is so that he can keep filling you and others in every way. So we can take back what's been lost. We can go back to every power, every authority, every dominion. Whether it's in this age or the age to come. Whether it's present or it's not. We can take back what's ours. Because it's, it's been given to us. That's our legal inheritance. Hello? We're not claiming anything that has not been given. It's all been given. Now, can you see this, church? I, I really would ask you to meditate on this this week. This should be your scripture to pray around this week. Lord, show me what pastor's saying. This should be my scripture. I want to pray on it every day. I'm going to take a line of it every day. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to ask you to show me what this means. If this is my portion, reveal it to me. Enlighten me. This is my portion. You've spoken this. For me, the church, the first day it was spoken was the first day it was activated. And it hasn't been revoked. It's still legal today. So the moment it left Paul's mouth and the Holy Ghost captured it and it was recorded, it was recorded for those in the present age. That was you and me. We was in the, that came from the age past. But it was recorded and spoken for the age to come. That was me and you. And we keep speaking it for those who will come after us. Amen. Until we all appear before Christ. This word is true, my friends. 
if you don't see it as true, and you're not, you say, oh, well, I believe it. Yeah, no, not a question, do you believe it? Do you believe it's true for you? That's where it comes in. That's where you lock in. So, it's very interesting to find out, you know, so much, so much has been given, and yet so much seems to be released on the, in, on the earth. You go into some churches, you don't ask them to pray for you. They just don't even have the, oh, we don't believe any of that stuff around here. But what's the point of having church then? You say, can we pray? Can we pray in a spontaneous inspiration? Oh, no, we have a book. I choose a book. Well, why can't I just pray from my heart? Well, that was from the heart. Someone recorded it. Well, why can't I? Heaven's going to record what's going to come from my heart. Everything's locked down. Well, can I just stand up the front and share what's... No, no, you've got to go. Only the priest can do that. Why? Because you haven't been to school to learn what he's doing. Everything's, everyone's locking you down. Why? Because they don't want the power. Power's messy. Let's keep all the people in order. Let's keep them in the suits and ties and, and the nice dresses. Let's keep them nice in order. Why? Because we don't want any people falling on the floor and, and shaking and rattling and rolling. None of that rubbish around here. And then those who do shake, rattle and roll, they're, told, they're not told to stop living sinful lives. So you've got, the, you've got one side of the church shaking like rattlesnakes. And when you do speak to them, they hiss at you. And the venom bites you. And you've got those who won't let you pray for them. Both. Don't be fooled by the other crowd. There's still no power to change them. Oh, they fall and give you a show. And in the name of Jesus. You see them praying, you know. And then the Lord. Giving it all, you've seen it all on the TV. And it all looks great. And he's got his, he's got his towel and he's wiping. Like, if he sweat more, it must be more anointing. That's what they say. And if you put a funny voice on it, it must mean you're more spiritual. And, and, and I think to myself, what? And then you go and speak to them off camera and they speak like this. But when they're on the front, they say, Lord would see Can I get a witness in here tonight? You think, why do I need? It's all for them. It's not for you. And then the people go, oh yeah, oh, oh, oh. He's the anointed one. No, you're the anointed ones. He's the, well, I won't call him what he is. But... And everyone's excited and jumping around. And, 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 but no one goes out any different. Come on, church. What's all that about? If we don't go out any different, what's the point? If there's no divine exchange, it's like they've got all the tricks to get you from the seat to the front. And then they have no power to change you. But people fall for it every, every week. They fall for it. And they, they stack them up in their thousands. Some big arenas. And then you've seen them, haven't you? When, uh, uh, maybe you haven't seen them. Well, for, you, for those who haven't, let me give you a quick introduction. You'll see them there and they, and they stand there and, and then they all start shaking. And no one's touching them. And they're shaking. You think, oh, oh, God must be so powerful in that room. And then when they stop shaking, you say, are you okay? Oh, yeah, no problem. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. My friend, that's not the kind of church that God's looking for. God wants his power to touch and transform. If it comes where people shake, rattle and roll, that's fine by me. But be changed at least. Don't give us a courtesy bow. Don't fall for the crowd. God wants his church to be genuine. Now, some of you will see that and say that can't be genuine because people look like they've lost control. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that is, that is, we can have that providing lives are changed. I'm not saying we can't be touched by the Holy Ghost. I've been flat out. I know what it's like to be stuck to the ground and can't move when the Holy Ghost touches me. I got up different. I got up. Well, they had to carry me out the building first. But when, I, when he carried me out, I was different. Something changed. But I've also... In my naivety, let people pray for me. And I've not been changed. I'm being honest. What went wrong? Something was wrong with me. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to blame those who prayed for me. It's me. And you. I need to know. You need to know. Why you don't have the power. Who was it? Was it he man who said I have the power? The kids cartoon. You know, I got a lesson about power when you lose power only the other week. You know, when I was an apprentice, they taught me some 
keys to be an effective printer. Yes? And I can't say it was ever effective, but these were the keys that they told me. I needed an understanding of uh, mechanical engineering. That was one of the keys. I needed an understanding, listen, to the science involved behind the printing. Yes? I needed to understand how paper, chemicals, inks, Worked as they were all in motion together. I had to understand the science behind that. It's not enough to watch it happening. You need to understand what's happening and what isn't happening and why it's happening. Yes, this is why I call it. This is what they call it an apprenticeship. Yeah, and I needed to understand. Here's one. I need to have a good understanding of the signs and symptoms because in printing there are millions of problems. Like David's training to be a doctor. The first thing is going to, is going to, someone's going to say, I've got a sore throat. Well, how many of you know there's a million reasons why someone has a sore throat? He's going to have to train the symptoms. Now, we can get it down into blocks, maybe, eventually. That could be that. That could be that. Oh, we're going to have to cut your throat out. You know? But you just look it. I've got time enough to do it. You know? There's millions and millions of, of reasons why things happen, aren't there? But you're trained in your field to track down the quickest way you can. If it's not A, it could be B. If it's not B, it could be C. If it's not C, you need another engineer. <laughs> or get someone who's smarter than you. But you are trained to know these things. Why? Because when the power goes down, they're looking for somebody. Is that true? And I was saying to Phil, Phil's like Dan, he's training to be a mechanic. And now he's baptism into this, into this apprenticeship. Phil and I have pulled his leg left, right and centre. Because since he's got a car, it keeps breaking down and he can't fix it. But he's, but hey, this hope, Dan's the mechanic. And because Dan's the mechanic, I've also got another technology. You know what it's called? It's called a tow rope. And my tow rope makes Dan feel like he's got the power back. Until we stop towing him, and then his power, you know, <laughs> dissipates again. But he can't work out what's wrong with his car, but he's close to people who do. And it ain't me. <laughs> and it ain't him. And if my car breaks down, I just call out, if I need towing, I call him out first. And um, he tows my crisp packet car around like it's just a crisp packet, that's why I call it that. But you know, when power goes down, we're all in trouble. Yeah? And when my car broke down the other week, I'm just at the lights, it keeps stalling. My car's a bit of a, it's a working process. You've got to talk to a nurturer, bless her, you know, she, she's, she's good for my faith. I speak to her, I say, in the name of Jesus, she will start. And then I could hear her say, not too fast, boss, not too fast. And I say, just stay with me, lady, stay with me, darling. Because you've got to talk to her, haven't you? You talk to your car. Or am I the only crazy one in the room? Well, I'm, I'm the only crazy one in the room. And I talk to my baby. And when she stopped, 200 pounds later, I realised... And I'm, I'm scratching my head and I said to Phil, I've asked your dad to come round. I don't think you'll be able to understand what's going on because it's electronic. I knew that. I knew, I have some experience around engines. And I just said, it's, it's electronic. And we, without the meter readings, we can't find out why the power's not working. So we're left with all kinds of speculation of what it could be. And I began that my, my problem was not too dissimilar to the church. As I began to, to, to think about it in that, why does the church lose its power? It seems like all of a sudden it loses its power. One minute she had it in the book of Acts, next minute she lost it in the dark ages. And, in, and as subsequently, times we've seen uh, outbreaks of power, but we've not seen continuity of power. And, you know, my car, just like your power, is needed for making your, your journey every day. I need power to keep my life in, 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 in uh, alignment with God. Yes, I need internal power. As much as in the name of Jesus power, I also need internal power to keep my engine going. Yes, and I need this. I need to draw on his word because his word is power. The more of his word becomes a, becomes a reality in my life, the more it's my fuel to keep my power going. Amen. So I can do those things that Christ is asking me to, to, uh, to do. I can be the light that he's asking me to be. And I need this word, yeah? But you know, sometimes it's always down to someone else's experience or expertise to get you your power back. Do you realise that? When I'm stood at the side of the road and I'm scratching my head, I needed greater expertise than I had. And this is the problem with the church. In many times, he does not feel it needs a greater expertise. 
It does not feel that it needs someone to come and teach them. They will not humble themselves so that someone could come in and sit them down privately or corporately and say, let's, let's get me, if I can use this phrase, let me, let me get my hand under your, under your engine or around your, under your bonnet, said around your engine and let us do a diagnostic on you. Yeah? Now we say, well, I, I'm not, I've been a Christian 20 years, you can't teach me nothing. You're absolutely right, I can't teach you nothing. In fact, why don't you scrap it? Scrap it. At least you'll get more, there's more value in you being scrapped than you're running. Scrapping means sending them home. Yeah? See, we need to, when I found when my car was broke, again, I found that when your car breaks down, what's the first thing you do? You look to push it into a lay-by. Or you look to push it in a dead-end street, because it doesn't matter, you're going nowhere. Right? You look to put, leave it just anywhere. It's amazing how many Christians are just like that. They've got no power, so they've just got lay-by lives. Dead-end streets. Going nowhere. I'll just, leave, I'll just park my backside in a church called nowhere. And they'll sit there, and they're not, they've got no consci- consciousness about getting the power back in the life. And they'll sit there, and they're dying. Yeah? And if someone does offer... They might, they might say, okay, then get me out. But they have no ability in themselves to call upon anyone to help them. You know, that's the first power you need is humility. You know, when I was, when, when I, uh, I should say, when my son breaks down, I get this kind of phone call. Dad. And straight away, you, when you get that, dad, you know there's going to be an expense or a journey at the end of it. Anyone got children? No, I don't. Know. Ah, I say, what do you want, son? Well, you, what are you doing? Well, I'm stood here right now talking to you on the phone. Yeah, but where are you? Why? Am I far? Are you far from me? What, do you, what does that mean? Well, I've broken down. Ah, yeah, here we go. And then they come, rather than just say, Dad, I've broken down. Can you come and get me? No, no, we have to go round the houses. We've got, he's got to see what kind of mood I'm in. I'm living, <laughs> he's got to see what kind of mood I'm in. And then, then the next journey is, well, Dad, I'm in Wales. <laughs> well, okay, son, that might take a little bit longer. Uh, rather than get the AA out, or, you know, it's just called get the TH out. So it's amazing just how when people break down, their philosophy changes and their expectations change. And when I break down, I either call Scott or I call Phil, right? Why? Because I'm too tight. I'm only running around the town. I've got this... Philosophy, you might not have it. If I go on the motor and I break down, I'll just join the AA. I'll just join the AA right there. If your vehicle breaks down on the motorway, don't get someone to tow you off the motorway. It'll cost you more money to get towed off the motorway than it will to join the AA. I've got the AA card in my back pocket. I'll just join it there and then. Save money. I've been in the AA so many times and then I just thought, sack it. If I need them later, I'll get it. So, when my car breaks down, <laughs> I understood one thing. When my car breaks down and I've lost power, do you know what it reveals to me? Are you ready for this? That I do not understand the principles involved to put it right. I must understand the principles of how mechanics work. Other than that, or my pocket's going to be painful. I'm going to walk with a limp. It's called 200 pound. Now, there's some things you can fix and there's some things you can't fix. Now, what I can fix, I jolly well will fix. What I can't fix, I don't mind letting the guy fix it for me. That's I'm paying for his expertise. But what I can fix, there's nothing worse when your car breaks down. Guys, I'm not talking about girls now. Guys break down, you've got a big vehicle and you have to call AA out to change your wheel. Come on, guys, basic mechanics. But it's amazing. Now, if your wheel's stuck and you can't get it off, then you might need it. And depending on how you're dressed, obviously, if you're going somewhere, you don't have all your hands full of oil, do you? So I say, Carol, can you change my wheel for me? <laughs> Come on. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. <laughs> But I understand that when my car breaks down, I've lost power and I'm stuck scratching my head. There are principles that I do not understand. 
I don't understand. And you know, when I began to say to the guy, hey, it only broke down. That's <laughs> what I said to the guy when he said, it'll be 200 pounds. I almost choked. I went, it only stalled. <laughs> he did. He literally stalled. Next minute, nothing. And it's gone. 200 quid later. I'm thinking, what did you do with my car? 200 quid. Then he says to me this, well, the distributor cap and the engine, engine management system failed. I mean, what, what do you mean engine management system failed? It stalled. He said, it failed. I'm thinking, you're joking. Yeah. So then I said, I was thinking, well, what does this thing do? So I didn't understand, and this is what I didn't understand. The coil is connected to a, ro- a rotor inside the cap, which spins past a series of contacts. Yeah? When the rotor passes a contact, it sends a high-voltage pulse to the spark plug. I know you all know this. <laughs> the cap distributes electrical charge generated by the distributor charge and a motor to power the engine cylinders. Silly me. <laughs> The cap distributes the charge to each of the cylinders where it ignites fuel vapors and the power, I should say, the power, the pistons. Now, I know you knew all that, but I didn't. (laughs) But did you know? Did you know about spark plugs? You know, I'm impressed. (laughs) Did you know about spark plugs? Listen. It sits directly above the piston in the combustion chamber, girls. You didn't know that. The spark plug has two primary functions. That's right. Listen to him here. Listen to him here. One, one is to ignite the air-filled mixture in the combustion chamber. The second one is to transfer the combustion chamber so the air-filled mixture explodes. The heat is then transformed from the combustion chamber into the engine block. And hopefully you get power. Now, I know you all knew that, but I didn't. So, why? Because I don't need to. Do you know what? Knowing that wouldn't have changed anything. Why? Because I needed a new part. And I would have changed the distributor cap because I did say to Phil, I think it's that. But I didn't know there was another part. Attached to it. And that's the thing with many of you guys. You don't know the add-on bits that make everything work. You think to yourself, well, that's the problem. And it's amazing. Everyone's got a problem. Everyone's got a, uh, a principle of how church should work. Everyone knows the principle of how to get the power in the church. But you forget the added-on bits. And everyone becomes a, becomes a church growth ex- expert, expert overnight. Well, you know, if the pastor just did this, we'd, we'd have this. Silly me, I, why didn't I see that? Because I've got electrical equipment that you don't know. And I put a re- meter reading and say, dead. Replace. That can't be fixed. Oh, there's another one called reconditioned. Many of us need reconditioning. But we won't acknowledge we've lost the power. But a recondition is what is needed. It's amazing when you take your old part in, they'll all say, oh, say, when you ask for a new part and you go to a shop, they'll all say, give us your old part. Because we can recondition it and, re- and sell it. Now, you can have original parts or reconditioned parts. My friend, in the church, there is no spare parts. Everyone has been put in the body according to Christ's purpose for the strengthening of the church. There are no spare parts. You're unique. You've been made from the manufacturer. Yeah? There's no, if I can use the word, there's none in here. There's no Chinese spare parts in our car. They're all original, pattern made. Now, if you're Chinese in the church, you'd have to use someone else. In the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 1, 18, what we just read, I pray also the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You need to be enlightened so you understand where the powerful is. And let me say this to you right now. Start with yourself. Start with you. That's where it always, invariably, majority of the times, it starts with you. Lord, enlighten me. What is my problem? Am I an obstacle? Am I the reason why? Don't look about why there's no power in the church. Have a look why there's no power in your life. Because you are the church. 
There's no use being the, the powers in the crowd, but it's not in you. Jesus was the majority of one. It's amazing. Jesus had this ability to bump start other people. He had this ability to carry his, his DNA, his HT leads, and whoever touched him, boom, they came into life. That's the power we need. That when others come into your, your sphere, that you, what's, tra- what's being transmitted into you, can automatically bump start others. In mechanics, they have this pack that they can send out. It's already charged. They don't need a plug. They can just put it on your car and it's already got reserve power. Yes? And they can just drop it on your battery and boom, they can start it. It's almost like that, uh, what they call it, defib at the side of the road. Boom. This power. That's the power you need. Mobile power. Mobile power. How many of you know that? If you go to Ephesians 1, let's go back to it again. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And, you know, it's amazing. I'm glad that Christ never, uh, sorry, that God never runs out of power. Can you imagine when Jesus Christ was dead and, he, and God's got the, 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 the leads on him and he's trying to bump him back and he's got, oh, the batch's the batch gone flat. Sorry, Jesus, you'll have to stay there. No, no, no. He spoke by his word. Bang. Everything comes into life. That same word is, is, is still working in you. That's why faith must come to you. Faith is your power. Taking hold of what this word says and believing it, it, it it's true. Amen? See, if, if you don't understand Ephesians 1, and you don't ask Christ to share with you these things, you'll never know or understand the nature of why God is taking you from one place called Sinai to Zion. You'll never understand it. God is taking you from one place to another. Why? Because that place represents obsolete, finished. It's no good for your life. He never worked for you. Now I'm taking you on a journey. We call it the transition. God's trying to take you out of darkness into light. He's trying to take you away from your habits, your, your, your cynicism, your attitude. He's trying to take you away from all that. Take you away from people that, he, that are no good for you. No good for you. That you've made them your family and your attachment, but they're no good. Why? Because they're not where you're going. And the more you hang with them, the more they will derail you and postpone your appointment. They will. Some of them are good people, but they're just not the people for you. Yeah? If you don't understand Ephesians, you'll never understand the principles of the power. That has been given to you through Christ. And how this power is always, it's all, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's dependent upon the harmony of the relationship. Just as the rotor arm keeps spinning, if there's dirty connections on it, it won't charge. It won't send the pulse. Right? And your engine runs like a dog. If at all. And you can't have any dirty contacts inside your life. You must have a clean contact. So that the energy that's coming from heaven, the pulse can all the time hit your spirit and send the right voltage out. Amen? You must understand. You'll never know the magnitude of the power until you fully understand what has been achieved at Calvary's cross. It's not enough just to be saved and say, thank God I'm not a sinner no more. You need to understand what Christ achieved on the cross. That's where all the power comes from. It's not at the cross, it's through the cross. Bringing someone to the cross is called introduction. Taking them through the cross is the victorious Christian life. Amen? Sinai was where they came to meet God. Introduction. Zion is where they entered into God. Yes? That's called the victorious Christian life. Sinai, they'll only ever get small portion. But Zion... Represents everything that he is. So many Christians get saved and that's it. They're dead as a dodo. Battery life, five minutes. Where we want eternal life. Amen? Eternal ongoing life. You must understand what it means for Christ to be sat at the right hand of the Father. To be sat at the right hand of the Father means you're connected to someone who's very, very powerful. And that power has been given to you. He gave you the full rights. You know that? He's given you the full rights. This is why we must understand the nature and DNA of, what, of the victory that Christ achieved for us. 
It's not enough to try and cast demons out. Demons know whether you understand. Demons understand all that kind of stuff. But do you understand it? You can't use the name of Jesus like a magic charm. You must understand. Yeah? You must understand what it means for Christ to be sat at the right hand on the throne, which is far above all rule, all authority, power, dominion, and every title that can be given. You're above that. You'll never understand this new position and you'll never be able to exert it fully until you understand what has been placed under the feet of Jesus. What's been put under his feet? You're not under his feet. You're you're in him. You're ruling and reigning with him. You need to understand what's under his feet so you can put it under your feet as well. That's why you don't have to be plagued with half the stuff you let happen to you. Why? Because we become powerless to understand what has been achieved. Do you know penicillin, if I'd have been born 60 or 70 years ago, how long was it, David, since penicillin was created? Right. If I'd have been born any time before the 1920s, I'd have probably been snookered. Because I'm allergic to penicillin. Right? Now, I didn't know that for years until my dog bit me, playing around with the puppy, goes to the hospital, jab up the backside, spoke in tongues for the first time, and all of a sudden felt like I was having a heart attack. Literally. Never had a heart attack, but I can imagine that's what one looks like or feels like. Doctor went, oh, you're only allergic to penicillin. How come I didn't know? I goes home and tells my mum, mum, I'm allergic to penicillin. Oh, so am I. Well, why don't you tell me? Oh, I never thought he bothered. Never thought he bothered. Thanks, Mum. All these times you've been taking to me in the hospital and they've been shoving needles at my backside and you've been saying, oh, I can have penicillin, knowing that you're allergic to it. Cheers, Mum. She nearly took my power away that day. But you know, if I'd have been born before that time when they discovered it, I'd have been in trouble. But now I know it exists. There's other medicines that they've used and dishes that they, could, they can use to give me the same breakthrough. I had to rely on someone else's expertise. I crashed and burned, fine. But thank God there was somebody else around there. Now, I don't, sit to, I don't go to the doctor, and you don't go to the doctor and say, show me your qualifications. <laughs> Some of them, you might need to ask that. You don't, when, when this lady's delivering babies, she don't, the woman doesn't say, hey, what training have you had? You just need to push, darling. Shut up. Don't worry about what I've got. I'm at this end, you're at the other end. You need me far greater than I need you. You don't, do you? You just rely on the guy at the end or the girl on the end. Why? Because you, you put faith and trust that what they know will help you. True? I don't ask God how he knows it all. He just knows it all. And he's trying to share what he knows with me and you. But then I become the know-it-all. Well, God, you know, I, I, I know a bit more than you, really. Shut up, Tony. <laughs> Wally. Christ became what we were so we could become what he is. Christ became what we were, sinful. Though he wasn't sin, though he wasn't a sinner, he became sin for us. So that we could become what he is, righteous. That's what happened. You, if you could understand that, that line there and let God speak to you about that, what did Jesus become? How did he identify with me so that I now can become what he has become? He always was. Before the foundation of the world, he was. He came as a man. Carnate deity, the Bible says, in a man in the body, just like yours and mine. Well, not so much like mine, I'm a stallion, but he came just like mine. He suffered so I could identify with him. And he could identify with me. But he overcame what I didn't overcome. So that when he stood on the other side and he stood next to his father, he could call me unto himself knowing that he did not fail and make the same mistakes I did. He became what I was so we could become or I could become what he is. Amen? Isn't that good? Well, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13... It says, you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Colossians 2 verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the, in, sorry, and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with 
Christ. He forgave all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. He nailed that sucker. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them, triumphing, that's the word, triumphing, over them by the cross. Wow, what a powerful, powerful, powerful insight that that scripture gives us. When you were dead in your sins, he became like us so that we could become like him. Yeah, he nailed it. He cancelled the code. What was the code? Death. You don't have to die, spiritually I'm speaking. Physically you will die. Spiritually your soul, your spirit has now been made alive and now goes with Christ. And he nailed that code because up to that point there was no way. You could ever get to God. So he, and it had regulations. And we've been teaching you that the, pre, the old priesthood had loads of regulations. And it was never any good. The people could never get any closer to God. Those regulations were no good for them. Yeah? And he cancelled all them. And he, and, he, uh, and he stood opposed to everything. That, and he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And then he disarmed the powers. What powers? The principalities. Spiritual dark powers that are ruling and reigning in this world. Not in that world up there, but in this world. Yeah? He made a public spectacle of him. In other words, he's shown him up. He bragged big style. He bigged it up big style. There's nothing that can contain or limit Christ's power. Only you. And your thinking. Yeah? He made a spectacle. Do you know what a spectacle is? When you made someone look a fool. And he made them look a right bunch of wallies. And then if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, reading verse 53. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come to truth. Let's just stop there. You were perishable. Christ is the unperishable. So when you, when you align your life up with him, you now become imperishable. You're mortal, but when, you, when you've got your life in Christ, you become immortal. Why? Because this world cannot kill you. You will still pass on with him. Your spirit will reign forever with Christ. Amen? That's why, because we've got him in us and us in him. But then he says this. Uh, death has been swallowed up in victory. Whose death? Your death. Yes? Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Power to do your job. Power to keep in the race. Power to keep a sane mind. Who wants a sane mind? Your mind is everything. The Bible says we've been given the mind of Christ. This power has been given to us. Now in all these things, the Bible says in Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I'm convinced, he says, that neither death nor life, angels or demons, neither the present or the future, or anything else, anything else, in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. He's included the whole realm there. Depth, height, width, powers, principalities, rulers, muppets, cartoonists, whatever you want to include. He's, he's included the whole gambit in there. Nothing can separate you from Christ. Now that power is yours. But there will also be enough challenges and enough trials of power of a different nature to try and do the opposite. Everything will do come against you to try and separate you and sever you from that power. 
Everything will come against you. All hell will come against you. But stand firm. How do I stand firm? In the power of the knowledge of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Which he exerted in Christ and has given to you. But you say, well I don't need an expertise. I'm alright. Well you, then you can be separated easy then. One of the greatest challenges you will have and face in this world. you know what it is? The power to relearn. The power to unlearn. To relearn. To continuously learn. Most Christians have been in the church 20 years, 15 years, whatever it is. And they become cynical. They become hard. And they say, I don't need to learn anymore. And what, they've given, what my previous churches have given me was enough. No, it wasn't. And you become guarded in what you thought was right. And, you, and that's not wrong to guard what you thought was right. Don't get me wrong. What you were taught is not all rubbish. And it's not all error. But listen. What you were taught gave you a foundation. Hopefully gave you a foundation. So we're not saying discard everything you've learned. We're not saying that. We're saying your heart and mind must say, I've learned some stuff and I may have to relearn some stuff because some of it was not all right. But if you guard against it, you say everything he taught me was wonderful. No, it's not. Because it's all subject to revelation at the time. And your ability to learn and keep learning and add to what you've been learning. But the, the hardest thing is to get Christians is to relearn. So hard. So hard. And that is the reason right there why many Christians would not have the power. Because you're stuck in old theology. You're stuck by, listen, you're stuck by your traditions. You're stuck by, by uh, things you once worked. But they're no longer working. They were right. But they're no longer appropriate. Why? Because we've got a God who's moving from one degree to another. Do you remember when we used to sing hymns? Was, it, was hymns wrong? No. Do you remember the time when you all used to wear hats, ladies? Well, maybe you don't. Well, was hats wrong? No. But it comes a time when we don't need them. There's a, it comes a time when we don't necessarily have to sing hymns to get to the presence of God. We found another way. There was a time when you wasn't allowed a guitar. Or a set of drums. Drums in the church. Oh, this is the house of God. He'll, he'll, he'll cough up blood. <laughs> if, you put, if you put blood, if you, so if you put guitars and drums in there, how dare you have it? We don't need electric. We don't need power. We've got the power, brother. We've got a tambourine. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know, they made other instruments as well as tambourines. And then... There's a time when you try to get the tambourines with the musicians and that no one's got a sense of rhythm and they're all banging it and whatever and then the musicians can't keep the beat because you lot are banging with your tambourines. So then we say, whoa, 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 let's bring some order here. Everyone with a tambourine, can you bring them to the front? Drop them! <laughs> Why? A tambourine's wrong? No, we've just moved on. They were good. Now, if you're, in a part of, if you're living in a part of the world where you don't have musicians, tambourine's wonderful. Yeah, Phil and I went to a church when this woman used to have the loudest voice and all the other piano and this woman used to sit in the congregation do you remember her? in Mulder Road and she used to give this voice and she had those wailing voices if she hit the wrong word like I do or she got the wrong note we were all <laughs> up a creek without a paddle you know it would have been great for someone to say do you not think we should have a worship leader no no well this woman can sing yeah she might be able to sing why don't you come to the front and lead us then Rather than get the eye of the guy behind the piano and, the two, and he had his back to her. Because he had his back to the congregation. You think, it's stupid. Now, were those things wrong? No, in their context, they may have been right. But now we've moved on. But you know, my pastor, Colin Carson, had to suffer the, the hordes of hell to get rid of hymns. And then we had the acetate machine. Do you remember the acetate machine? When Paul and David used to sit there. Remember that, Dave? What he used to sit there week in, him and Paul look at him, is it my turn, is it your turn, is it second verse, third verse, we don't know. And they put them on, and the words would be all over the place, and we'd, we'd be doing that. And then all of a sudden, one day, we said, let's get electronic media. And then one day, I remember Mary Birch, bless her, she went, I can see now. Now, they didn't know that that machine cost nearly two grand. Now, if I had told them that machine cost two grand, two grand? You can't spend two thousand pounds, it's the house of God, brother. Sell them the sizzle. Then they don't ask you how much it cost. 
For Mary, her eyes could see. She read the words. She said, I've never been able to see the words. It didn't matter if it was 40 grand. She could see. It was called improvement technology. Now, if I'd have, to, if I'd have had to put that through a board, will you sign that check for two? two oh, I remember the first time we, Colin Carson bought our computer and he had to sign a check for £600. His hand was shaking. I've never wrote a check for £600. This is your call. It's just two notes. Just go on, Colin. Don't worry about it. No, don't, don't put any more notes there. Just, just two notes will do. £600. Well, it worked. Well, Because Colin didn't have a clue about computers. Neither did I. But I knew we needed one. You know, will it work? Oh, it'd be great, Colin. Selling the sizzle. Then all of a sudden, he got his notes printed out for him for a, for a Sunday message. Oh, fantastic. This computer, isn't it? £600 is just gone. Didn't matter. We got to move on. We've got to move on. The power to be able to let people see. Mary, for, for two grand, saw the first time. You can't put a price on that. Can you? Last one. Matthew 22, verse 29. I'll continue this further, but not today. Jesus said to the Sadducees about the power of God. Listen to what he said. Do you know why they're called sad, don't you? Because they were Sadducee. That's why they call them Sadducees. They were Sadducee. Okay. Jesus said, speaking of the, the uh, Sadducees, Jesus replied, you are in error. Listen, why? Because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Jesus said that. Is it possible, church, there are some Sadducees in here? That you don't know the power of God. You're sad, you see, because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. But you argue based on your opinion. Not based on the scripture. We must understand scripture because power comes from the scripture. The, the book is not a book. It's a person. It's truth. And as I'm reading that, truth hits me and explodes inside me. Why? Because if it's just a book, there's no relationship with a book. It's a person. And his life and his breath is in his words. What he speaks is power. Yes? Sound and word is everything. The ability to speak is everything. The ability to communicate what you feel and how you feel it and, and explain it is a wonderful gift. Yes? And when Jesus speaks and I read it and you read it, his life is, is, is transmitted, into, or say, transferred into me and into you. And so I can have a greater, greater depth of knowing Christ through the word. That's why Paul prays that your heart may, be, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. How? Through the word and through prayer and worship. These are various access points to know the mind of Christ. Yeah, this is why we cannot be just flippant about the word. We can't just come in on a Sunday. I can't take you anywhere if the only time you hear the, the word is when I speak it. Never going to happen. That's why some, look just, some just look bemused at what you're saying. You can't take them anywhere because the only reference point you've got is on a Sunday. How do you think I develop my relationship? Just like so many others do. By time. Effort. I don't do this because it's a job. Believe me. I can't get this thing. I can't get this stuff from a job. It has to be revealed to me. And it's not revealed to me on a Sunday morning. It's revealed to me as I've been walking with God. For you and for me. That's why you must have a relationship and an ongoing relationship. For the power to come to your life. That it must come through your relationship with Christ. And your relationship through the word. It must come. I hope that we haven't got any Sadducees in here. I pray that we haven't got any Sadducees. You're in error. Do you know what the error was? They didn't believe in the resurrection of the Christ. They didn't believe in that. Now we believe in that. But there's error. There's error somewhere else. There's always error. Now error doesn't mean to say you're demonic. Error can just be, you just, it was just, you, you just didn't understand it. Then there's error because you resist it. 
What you don't understand can be made known. What you resist is a different. It's a different battle altogether, what you resist. Because now you expect someone to prove their point. No, I'm not going to prove my point. I say it, you don't like it, fine, that's okay. It's your life, not my life. I can't force it on you. But you know, the easiest people in the world are the ones, to, so the easiest people in the world to teach and to, to take further on in life are the ones who just say, yeah, just show us, help us. No, no resistance in my heart. There's two types of resistors in the Bible. Those who resist because they don't want what is offered and those who resist because they don't understand. Now, I've been both. I've been both. When I first came into this church, I was resistor A. Don't take me anywhere. What you're saying is wrong. And I was hard in my heart. Shut the door. Then I became resistor B. I resisted because I didn't understand what they were talking about. And when I found out I was a resistor A, I began to get my life right and my heart right with Christ. I began to repent and say, Lord, you were right. They were right. I was wrong. That was a good place to start. Then I moved into column B. I was resisting now because I didn't have the enlightenment. I wanted to learn, but I didn't understand what they were saying. And then God began to see my heart and he began to give me understanding, wisdom, and then I was on the track. And occasionally, every now and then, I find myself becoming a resistor B again. I go and listen to Jonathan David and I go, I don't understand that. And then when you do, sometimes you, you can tell the, the posture of someone who's resisting, can't you? Sometimes when you don't understand, you go, you go like, I don't understand that. Other times you go, Seen it, I've seen it in here. They do that. Yeah. that. Flipping heck. Wait until, wait until it's finished. I'm going to kill him. And other times you go, well, Pastor, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't know. You get to that point. That's fine. Doesn't always make me right. Doesn't always make me wrong. But one says, I'll have to talk to you more about that. That's fine. That's called, come let us reason together. Yeah. The other one is, you turkey. There's a difference between the two. I pray there's no Sadducees in here. Let's stand to our feet. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.